the FA Cup third round delivered a bit of magic. Welcome along to the Football Ramble. It's Monday the 11th of January. I'm Jules Breach. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Vidushin Hunter-Raja. Ah, oh, wasn't it just wonderful, boys? We got exactly what the FA Cup is there to deliver. A little bit of magic from Crawley beating Premier League Leeds to a non-league side in Chorley beating Derby County. Yes, it was the youngsters and we'll come on to that, but still an amazing result for them. An incredible showing from Marine against Tottenham. Plus a League One side in Blackpool beating West Bromwich Albion on penalties. We'll get to all of those games plus a load more, but it was just a really nice weekend of football, wasn't it, Vish? It was, yeah. It was particularly enjoyable seeing you freezing your ass off last night. Do do you want to tell listeners where you were? Because um, all I saw from you was some... um, some blue lips and some skips as well. (laughs) Yeah, I had uh, the pleasure of travelling all the way to Newport County to Rodney Parade for Brighton's game in the FA Cup last night. And um, I had a feeling, Jim, it was going to be one of those nights when I got there and I saw the pitch and I thought, fair play to them. They, they They actually had a rugby match on that pitch 24 hours before the match and they managed to get it into... I know they managed to get it into pretty good nick for a football game to be fair but I did think to myself I've got a feeling that this is just going to be classic on a Sunday night late kickoff especially when I've got to get up early for ramble tomorrow morning it's going extra time and penalties I just knew it was going to happen Jim and it did didn't it and in a way isn't a rugby match on a pitch um in a lower league ground the ideal preparation for an FA Cup tie because you want it to be a bit churned <laughs> up, don't you? You want it to be a little bit rough and a little bit kind of, you know, frayed around the edges. I'm interested by the choice of skips rather than bovril as well. Did um, did the did the meltiness warm you up in any way, or was it just what? Why did you pick skips? I'm interested in that uh, in that decision. Why are you judging me for picking skips, Jim? Oh, I'm not, I'm the... not judging you. I'm a big fan of skin over of skips. <laughs> They are. Don't start the bullying early, Regina George. Skins. I'm a big fan of eating skin when I'm cold. That came out really wrong. <laughs> I really love skips. I think they're they're top tier for me. I think top. I'd put them in my probably my top three packs of crisps. Oh, that's such a bang average skip. opinion. I can't what? even. I can't even stand what are you on about? No, no. It's good. I like got skips. Steak Name McCoy's. Me three better crisps. So, right, steak McCoys, ribbon saucy knickknacks, and pickled onion monster munch. There, off just right off the top of my head. Yeah, pickled onion monster munch. They're in my top three. <laughs> Jules, you and I aren't going to get this sorted, are we? So, <laughs> <laughs> although I do like the assertion that, like, I don't know, it sounds very student union to have to clear up after rugby players. I quite like that as a setting <laughs> yeah. for, for yeah. any any football match at all. Yeah, I know. Well, look, we uh, Brighton got the job done eventually uh, after uh, a bit of extra time and penalties, considering that Graham Potter put out a really good team. Um, I'm just glad we got the job done and I was absolutely freezing by the end of it. You were at a game as well, Vish, this weekend, weren't you? How, how were your toes? It's always the toes, isn't it? Yeah, the toes are done for. Um, I would I'd probably need to get some new ones off Amazon, actually. Yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> um, sorry, by the way, I was at I was at the Emirates. So I was at Arsenal versus Newcastle, which was a pretty weird game because Newcastle were rubbish and then they nearly won it. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I actually hammered the Bovril 
Um, and I um, I felt ropey as when I came back. Like, genuinely, Did you bring that... your own Bovril or were they providing Bovril? No, no, no. They provide Bovril. Um, really? uh, funnily enough, at Stanford. Really? Yeah, yeah. Do you, is, do you go through like a time tunnel or something? That's... Um... <laughs> It's astonishing. I didn't realize that was an option. Is it normally an option in the winter for the for the press? Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Um, yeah, and I think it has been actually. Yeah, it, I've funny, never uh, seen um, that before at a game. I don't think Bovril's been on offer at any matches I went to yesterday at, at Newport. To be fair, we were actually um, in the bar area get, where we were sort of like perched typical. up, ready to go out. But <laughs> but there was no booze, unfortunately. It was all locked away. They knew we were coming. Um, <laughs> but there was just two pots of tea and coffee um, just for, for us to use. But there wasn't, a, there wasn't a great deal of press there, to be honest. Not not loads of us. But um, yeah, just tea and coffee there in, in Newport. No Bovril. Maybe it's not a Welsh thing. Well, you know, at Stamford Bridge, they because um, uh, obviously like, because of COVID times, they can't really put on any food because we can't congregate anywhere. Yeah. Um, but at Stamford Bridge, they have pot noodles. Oh, my God. I love that. Nice. Yeah. I'd be all over that. To be fair, Stamford Bridge is one of my favourite places to go because um, we've talked about it before. Me and Andy Brassel used to bang on about it all the time, about how good their pre-match buffet is at Stamford mm, Bridge. Yeah. It is something to behold. They've got like special that, chefs that do themes depend on who Chelsea are playing, which is always fun on a Champions League night. So that's lovely. Um, anyway, let's talk about some of these amazing stories from the weekend. And I think as much as we've got the lowest ranked side left in the competition in Chorley getting through to the fourth round, I think we have to start with yesterday and Crawley of League Two beating Premier League Leeds. This was probably one of the stories of the weekend, wasn't it, Jim? Amazing. What a performance it was amazing. from them. Because yeah, I mean that is the story, isn't it? It's not it's not the result so much as it is the performance. It was a, a well deserved three nil victory where they did not look out of place um, with that scoreline and and with being the sort of um, you know the the leading light within the game. And I think my highlight of it was actually Jordan Tunnicliffe, who scored the th- the third goal in the post match interview. Uh, was asked about you know what what they'd like next, and he effectively said, "Next, I think we'd like a giant killing." And then he sort of like, <laughs> he kind of remembered it. himself. He said, well, obviously Leeds are a big team, but you know, like, you know, yeah. and it was, it was brilliant. What an amazing mugging off of Leeds. Brilliant. It was Pete Donaldson-esque. It was just, it was, <laughs> it, I, I, it was brilliant. Like, is that not enough for you, Jordan? It's going to take them far. And, and the first goal from Nick Sarula. Um, yeah, was, you feel like you have was, to sing his name, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I've got the knack for it. Um, so I'm going to keep doing it. But yeah, it, um, that was just quality, just to kind of maraud through that that Leeds defence because you know the um, Tullycliff was saying after the game that you know a lot of their game in 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 the league they play in is is based around set pieces. So you would look at that result and think is maybe that how that happened. But but Cirilla's mm. goal uh, was beautiful and he was really emotional after the game as well because he was I think he was released by Spurs uh, a few years ago now. Um, he'd been involved in a car accident and he had a, quite quite a lot of horrible stuff happen and really bad luck and he was really really emotional in, in that moment. It's a beautiful beautiful thing to see and yeah, just good luck to them I'm really excited to see who they get next there's always a team like this and there yeah. are a couple of teams like this where you go come on guys that Nick Cerula moment was I, I think that was the moment of the weekend for me because yeah, I agree I, yeah I don't know about I don't know about you two but I found it really hard to get on board with the FA Cup this weekend because you know third round is all about having the fans there and yeah you know and not even the giant killings themselves but the prospect of you know having you know a Marine and Spurs, for example, but it just felt 
really hollow to me. And I kind of, I, I felt like I was drifting through the weekend and it was going to pass me by. And then seeing Nick Cirillo's, well, just that performance from Crawley, but also Cirillo's goal and then his interview, um, you know, Jimmy, you touched on it there that um, Nick was at, was at Spurs. He left, he was released having joined them at 12. He then missed a year because of that car crash. Mm. Um, and just the emotion in his voice and for it to mean that much to someone meant it meant something to me. Yeah. And I could probably throw in like Louis Barry's goal against Liverpool um, for Villa on Friday night. And then also Chorley's win over Derby, even though it was only the Derby kids. But I, I think that kind of got me through the weekend. A hundred percent. And that's what the FA Cup third round's all about, is that you get these amazing magical stories because I think with the football world and the amount of money that's in it and the fact that our focus is quite a lot on Premier League football and Champions League football, you forget that there are all of these incredible stories and these individuals that have worked so hard and gone through a lot of ups and downs in their careers. So when they get an opportunity to play in something as prestigious as the FA Cup and yes maybe it's lost its magic a little bit over the years because of the amount of football that we digest when you get these little gems these little stories like hearing Nick Saruda and seeing how emotional he was as you say Vish Louis Barry the other night on Friday and his post-match interview where he couldn't stop smiling it was similar after Chorley's win Connor Hall one of the goal scorers he scored the opening goal for Chorley he couldn't stop smiling in his interview and just talked about how he can't wait to see the draw and he hopes that they draw Newcastle because that's the club that he supports obviously that can't happen anymore because they're out but you know it's all of these little stories of the, around the FA Cup that are just so magical and make it what it is and just Nick Cerula's interview just made me Oh, just made me feel like, yes, this is why we watch football and what we love so much about it. He almost got as emotional as um, Luke Moore did when he was talking about Gumwolf Keys in one of our Christmas <laughs> specials. <laughs> yeah, it's comparably magical, isn't it? I think that's, that's one of the things about this weekend as well. A lot of, and People talk about the cup having been devalued because um, a lot of the bigger teams put young players out. Obviously, the circumstances are a bit different this year because um, because of COVID, but... I mean, without you know big sides putting young players out, you don't you don't get some of these stories as well. It's, yeah. it's a place for players to to make a name for themselves when they're when they're quite young, and that's that's a kind of new aspect to what makes it so great. And you know, Luke again is always talking about how this weekend is his favourite weekend of the season, and I think you know any football fan has to have it up there because the joy of it is there is just so much going on, just so much going on in the same competition. I think it's only really it's only really kind of international tournaments where a single day will feel like that isn't it and obviously yeah. there's more football in the FA Cup um in this round um but it's just that sense of like just stuff happening everywhere you look is a beautiful thing yeah it really is yeah it's also you also get that top off of of hope don't you because you get it at the start of the season when you think oh you know this could be our year or this could be a year that we really make a mark and that is from the top down with all football fans and you know, by by September, <laughs> middle of September, that's all gone pretty much. Mm. Yeah. And then, it, and then, like the start <laughs> of the new year, and also the FA Cup third round is a bit like, you know, you've got your your potentials for an upset. You've got your chance to lay your hands on some silverware. So it kind of you know reinvigorates that hope to an extent. You kind of get a second wave of that. Probably shouldn't say second wave. Um, <laughs> Let's not talk about what. <laughs> yeah, what's nice in a second? You probably get. Um, 
I don't know, a second high. Second yeah, you, you know, yeah, you you get. <laughs> you, it's the the pre- it's, it's when football hotboxes itself is what I'm saying in yeah. January. Yeah, yeah. We we were talking about all those magical moments from the weekend, and um, Jim, you mentioned the Crawley goal scorer saying, "Oh, you know, we want a giant killing next." We loved the shithousery from Crawley, and uh, none better than John Yems bringing on a reality TV star, Mark Wright, in the final <laughs> few minutes of the game, just to you know, put the just stick that knife in and twist it a little bit further, wasn't it? It is amazing, isn't it? I mean, like a lot of people have been saying that it's a publicity stunt. To, for you know this documentary that's being made on the BBC for Mark Wright to try and sort of get into professional football at 33 because I think he was a, he was a decent player when he was younger wasn't he and he he was you know he trained with a lot of clubs I think he was at Spurs for a bit and kind of regrets the fact that he didn't apply himself and yeah 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 but apparently John Yems has trained him before and they reckon he's a really good player yeah. I don't care about that I, I to me the narrative is that that the whole point w- was this. Like yeah. it was just to troll Leeds in the 100%. last like minute or so. That is what it's all about. Apparently his brother actually plays for Crawley. So there is a link there as well. But still, right. I mean, as you say, the, the story is the trolling really. Um, and it got us talking about what reality star we'd want to see playing for our club. So uh, Vish, I'm going to come to you on this one. Which reality star would you want to see put on the Man United kit? So I- I'm not saying this for the sake of saying it, but I do not watch any reality TV shows. <laughs> but the last time I did, do you remember The Hills? Yes. Are we going to get yeah. some more singing from you, Vin? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm going to go with Brody Jenner. Oh, okay. I, I always like Brody, Brody and Lauren. They're my kind of go-to yeah. couple there. Oh, um, you've gone Whitney. old school here. You've gone proper old I know, old I have, school. yeah. But I've had to, I've had to delve deep <laughs> into the back of the couch of my mind. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to I, do the same. I didn't even know who Mark Wright was. Like, he, he doesn't even look... Are you serious? He's married to Michelle Keegan. You must know who she is. I honestly have no idea who she is either. Is she what? married to Kevin Keegan? She's like the fittest girl on the planet. Is she... <laughs> <laughs> right, you can't just throw that out there because now you're just going to hear keyboard tapping while I look her up. But I'm going to have to take your word for that. But no, genuinely, I, I, I'd heard the name, but obviously, you know, just Liverpool centre-back, Mark Wright. You know yeah. what? This is, this is Kate Mason-esque that you don't know who Mark Wright and Michelle Keegan are. Yeah, but like Mason doesn't know that, like, you know, she doesn't know how traffic lights work. This is a bit different. This isn't going to be her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, um, yeah, I, I, I'm similar to Vish. The only, re- I mean, I, I watch MTV's Catfish, which I've said a few times. I am absolutely Great obsessed show. with, but I don't Love think, um, I don't really think that counts as reality TV. So I'm going to have to sort of go, um, go back into the, the sofa of my mind as well as Vish put it. Um, and I'm going to go with Science from Big Brother Six. Remember him? <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. Because <laughs> he was called Science. And I always thought that was funny. And he just used to swan around talking about what a musical genius he was. And I don't really know what happened to him. So I'd like, I'd like to know, really. To see if he's still calling himself science. We should definitely, we should definitely get sorted a, a catfish for football because think of the number of dud signings, you know, Arsenal for example have made Jim. Um, how good would it be mm. to find out if, if they've actually been catfished? Is it absolutely? Is, it's, it's Neve and someone else. The uh, two yeah, hosts? it was a guy. It was a guy called Max, but he left because he's a director, yes. so he was off doing yes. stuff, and they have like guests, and there's, there's a new co-host now i forget her name so apologies to her if she's listening which she definitely isn't um but yeah i mean this julian draxler thing keeps coming up yes, i'm not sure yeah. that's real like that's classic catfish oh yeah we've been chatting for 10 years we've never actually met <laughs> we've never we've never had a even had a video conversation yeah neve if you're listening help us out 
Do um do either of you watch um Ninety Day Fiance? I mean that's I keep hearing it's amazing. Dreadful. Right, right. I'm not joking. Right, we can't we can't go into it now. But all I can say is best show on TV, and make sure you look it up and watch it because it is just pure entertainment. Um, let's move on to some more FA Cup magic. Um, we didn't get the result or the upset in the Marine Spurs game. Tottenham beat uh, Marine by five goals to nil, but. Again, this was just another one of those kind of feel-good games of the weekend. I think what's so incredible about this is there was such a, obviously, such a big deal for Marine to get to the third round in the first place. And they ended up selling over 30,000 virtual tickets in order for the club to gain a little bit of money, obviously, where they didn't have fans able to attend the match, which is just so just so lovely as well that the club were able to actually get something out of that game. And obviously being on the telly, they had the television revenue uh, coming their way as well. And I just love the fact that uh, in the BBC coverage of the game, you could see people literally like in their back gardens just watching this match. Yeah. It was just amazing. I think a fan actually tweeted, um, oh, this is interesting. It was a picture. And she said, I can see Gareth Bale from my bedroom window. And then he's just there on the pitch, like right in front. And I think Gareth Bale retweeted it with like a little waving emoji, which was cute. So I just love stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, the, I'm sure a lot of people watching saw the game. But if you didn't, like the pitch pretty much literally backed onto people's back gardens. Um, and so obviously they're all out there just watching with their with their prosecco with strawberries in it. People so sat on their sheds, and it, I, I, I don't. I'd be surprised if there's a ground in the entire country where the back gardens back onto the pitch quite as quite as closely as that. It's a yeah. beautiful thing to see. I mean, if we're in a situation in May where the FA Cup final happens and fans still aren't allowed into the grounds, I vote that we do it there, <laughs> like because it was it was the absolute spirit of it. It was brilliant. Yeah, I'm on the lookout for support bubbles in those in those houses. So if, if anyone's <laughs> listening, who, one of the things about having the gardens that back out onto the onto the pitch, um, I don't know if you saw, but you can see numbers going along the side, and they correspond to the numbers of the houses, so that when they kick the ball in, they know which door to knock on. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, so good. good. It's absolutely brilliant. And I was um I was on my way to Newport County when this game was on. So I listened to most of it on the radio and I was listening to it on TalkSport and Sam Matterface is the commentator and he was saying it was so different to going to, you know, a ground higher up in the in the football pyramid where you often um Vish, you'll know this, you're you're sat at the halfway line usually and quite high up, so you've got a good view of the pitch. Whereas um the TalkSport team had to actually sit behind one of the goals which is not ideal viewing but also it means that if the ball ever got kicked into that sort of area where they're aiming obviously to shoot and and try and score if they missed they'd get absolutely pelted with the ball so there were quite a few times where the ball actually went into the press area and and you could hear like laptops falling on the floor and stuff like that (laughs) oh it's so good Vish that's brilliant is that why Vinicius was trying to hammer the ball from one yard Oh. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> well, he, was, I mean, he was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, just even for Housery alone. I mean, the, uh, I mean that first goal. We, we need to we need to talk about that. That felt like that felt like it was about something else. That, yes, <laughs> that boy's got something else going on in, in his life, and then this was a way of getting out that frustration. <laughs> yeah, because he, I mean, he seemed absolutely furious with the ball didn't he? Like just so, so angry with it. And then he did the sort of Mbappe celebration against Marine. 
who let's be honest, he's probably not heard of before, possibly even the day. Like, just it's amazing. Vinicius even sounds like a sort of villain's name, doesn't it? Maybe, it does, it does. You know, maybe he's shaping up to be some sort of like amazing heel um, that that we're yet to fully appreciate. There's a bloody Harry Kane keeping him out of the team. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is um, that is his celebration. So, like, he does, he crosses his arms and just like looks stern faced down the down the barrel of the camera. He doesn't like quite do the. Like you know, Mbappe does the little jazz hand bit beforehand yeah. before crossing his arms, so he doesn't quite do that. But yeah, it just looked like he was having none of it. It's like he was reading up about the FA Cup and you know all the loveliness that it brings, and he thought, no, I don't want any of this. I don't yeah, want, I'm gonna wreck. I don't this. care if you, yeah, I don't care if you got houses on the side. I was, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of it he'd he'd raise the council tax in the area just to really hammer <laughs> home how much he hated being there. I think um, it like. As lovely an occasion and as fun an occasion as it was, Spurs did actually do a really sort of professional job. Yeah, Quite often these really games are a bit they? weird and they end up as like a 2-0 or they end up being a little bit kind of flat. But actually, they um, they they just did what they needed to do really, really kind of coldly and professionally. And I think that, that you know, is a good indicator of, of, of how focused they are this season. Yeah, 100%. I, I also really like the idea of, um, I was thinking about when, when you saw the, the subs getting ready to come on and Gareth Bale is sort of on the sidelines there. I, I just love this. He was he was grinning as he was coming onto the pitch and I just love the idea of him thinking like, a few months ago, I was at Real Madrid at the Bernabeu and I, I just love the, th- the, the thought of him saying to Zinedine Zidane, I'm off. I'm going to be playing at Marine in six months' time, uh, coming on as a substitute. It's just, just different worlds, isn't it? But um, amazing to see. And one of the other little gems that came out of this game was that youngster, Alfie Devine, whose name sounds like it could be a porn star's name. Uh, but I'm going <laughs> yeah. to, you know, just try not to think about that. Um, but he became the youngest Spurs goal scorer ever. Amazing. Yeah. He's also, he might sound familiar because he's the player who um, went in with that absolutely horrendous tackle on Danny Drinkwater. Was um, that him? In, yeah. Yeah, I that was him a little him. while ago in that under-23s match um, uh, for Spurs. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's, what, four years old and he's making a name for himself all over the place. <laughs> he is, he's just 16. the guy in box it's office. Amazing. Brilliant finish as well. We took it really, really well. I'm not really sure how he sneaks it in at the near post the way he does Vish. I'm sorry, I'm I'm still stuck on the fact that he's 16. Um, <laughs> that is. Do you remember what you were doing at 16? Genuinely, like yeah, I was wearing matching visors to hoodies and belts. Like literally, <laughs> that's that is, that is what I that's what I did at 16. All I cared about was that every single item item of clothing I wore matched, and I went like head to toe. So if I wore red trainers. I wore red trainers, jeans, red belt, red hoodie, red hat. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you're like a walking crayon. It's tragic. I mean, you, you, you do accidentally wear kind of basically all leopard print quite often, don't you? So this is still happening. <laughs> <I do. laughs> yeah. It's carried on into my 30s. That's not on purpose. I, for some reason, I've just got loads. Do you know what, Jim? The funniest thing is I just look down at myself and um, I'm wearing leopard print slippers and leopard print pyjama bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, I'm I'm a terrible human being. It's like you're, oh, you're plucked out of New Jersey. Um, <laughs> I, I was trying to think because we had this in the running order of like you know what were you doing at sixteen, and I was trying to th- trying to think like what what was going on in my life at sixteen, like what was going on in any, any of our lives at sixteen. Yeah, and then I, I mean... remembered that I. Um, 
<laughs> not COVID. I, I use print. I use printouts uh, and stuck them on my wall. And every well, not every day, but certainly quite a few days. I spent printouts of what? Um, learning the words to ushers. You remind me to impress a girl. <laughs> Genuinely, what? that's I uh, yeah. You, that. How, so Vish, in your, can you talk us through what your plan in your head was? How this scenario was going to play out? <laughs> okay, so I was someone who watched a lot of um, a lot of trouble, a lot of Nickelodeon, um, and you know a lot of films of of that kind of era where you know I'm, I'm talking kind of like Save the Last Dance, <laughs> uh, Ten Things I Hate About You, and I was like right. Things go down at parties and you need to be ready for certain occasions. So I, so there were two songs basically. It was Usher, You Remind Me <laughs> and, and and Girlfriend by NSYNC featuring oh, Nelly. Absolute yeah. tune. Um, so I, I don't know why, but I thought it would come in useful. Um, and I think, I, I don't know if you've seen the You Remind Me video, Jim. I, I almost certainly know that Jules has. Of course. Um, but Usher basically dances and sings and woos this girl all the way through. Down and then he ends street. up with Chili from TLC, who he was dating at the time. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I thought that could be me. Was he the one that he cheated on and got someone else pregnant with, i.e. Confessions Part 2? Uh, you know what? I think he was, yeah. <laughs> was it? At what point does I want to make love in this club come in? Because that's uh, <laughs> it's not all right, is it, Usher? That's gross. <laughs> he's just like, he's re- he just stopped trying at that point, isn't he? Like, oh, God, my love life's terrible. I just want to shag in this club. <laughs> you dirty bastard! It's quite, it's, yeah, R and B's R and B's first "Come and Get Me" play, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. All right, we're going to take a break now, and we'll talk more FA Cup magic in a moment. But uh, just a reminder that there is always lots of good new stuff for you to listen to at the Football Ramble, and we've got a new Ramble meet, and this one's over on the Football Ramble Presents feed, and it is out today. This week, Andy Brassel is joined by the one and only, and I am so excited about this one, Leonid Schlutsky. The slut is back. Yes, you might know him as the Russia manager in Euro 2016, or more recently, the man who absolutely nailed a cover of All I Want for Christmas is You, which we all talked about on Football Ramble. Um, and Andy talks to him about all of that and more. So make sure you check it out. Head over to Football Ramble Presents feed and get stuck in. We'll take a break. And after this, more from the FA Cup weekend. <laughs> Hello, I am Sven Goran Eriksson and you are listening to the Football Ramble. Yes, love a bit of Sven. Uh, Always love to hear a bit of Sven's voice, his dulcet tones on Football Ramble. Welcome back. Um, Before we get to some of your emails, it's time to see how we got on in Betway's four to score this weekend. Entry to Betway's four to score is free, remember, each week. All you got to do is pick the first goal scorer in Betway's four selected matches for your chance to win the weekly 50 grand jackpot. Make sure your selections are submitted before the first game and further terms and conditions apply. All right, now in game one, it was Bayer Leverkusen taking on Werder Bremen and Andy Brassel picked Leon Bailey to score, but the answer was Omer Toprak. Uh, game two was RB Leipzig against Dortmund. Marcus picked Erling Haaland, but it was our boy Jaden Sancho who got on the score sheet first. 
Uh, our third game was Arsenal against Newcastle, which I'm sure Jim probably watched with matchsticks opening his eyeballs. Uh, you picked Nicolas <laughs> Pepe to score first, but the result was Emile Smith-Rowe, who's been very good recently for Arsenal, actually. Um, Man United-Watford was our final game. Luke picked Donny van der Beek to score, but it was... Scott McTominay, who got on the score sheet. So every single one of us was wrong this week. But don't yep. worry, because we'll be back with another round of Betways 4 to score on the preview show this Friday. All right, now it's time for this. Yes, email show at footballramble.com to get in touch. We're loving getting all your stories at the moment, aren't we, Jim? We certainly are. And Ben Summer has been in touch and he is not disappointed. He says, Dear Ramblers, I was listening to Friday's preview show and was intrigued by the idea of an FA Cup staged over the course of one day at goals or similar. So I've decided to do the maths. <laughs> For the purpose of this, we're assuming each round of games is played back to back, meaning the winning team will have played 24 straight hours of football. You could therefore <laughs> fit 16 matches in a day. That doesn't sound like a lot, but if my numbers are correct, having knockout games played concurrently would mean you would have time for six. 16,384 games to be played in the first round, meaning this one-day extravaganza could include the qualifying rounds and plenty of England's 40,000 football clubs. Of course, this would require quite a big goal-style location. In fact, using full-size pitches, it would actually take up 737, 463 square miles, which I believe is several times the size of the UK. (laughs) This is probably the most significant stumbling block. But good news, Russia has plenty of space. What better chance for Russian football to kick on from the 2018 World Cup and create a footballing legacy by hosting the first ever FA Mega Cup. Apologies if my maths is wrong. It very probably is. Ben, that's amazing. I love that. I'm all over that. Ben has taken a lot of time working that maths out and I, I applaud that, Vish. Yeah, I mean, it's it reads like the ramblings of a madman. We all agree with that, don't we? <laughs> yeah, and let's be honest. None of us are going to check the maths. So he might no, have just exactly. made that up on the spot. Should we submit Ben Ben Summer's email address to some kind of database? Is there somewhere we can report him? Because this is this is quite upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we should have something in place that immediately puts you on some sort of database if you email us at all, based on the, uh, the sort of madness we regularly receive. But yeah, I think there's a good Cue shout everyone emailing in this week after that, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good. That's what we want. Yeah, we love it. Bring it we on. Love it. I've got an email, by the way, from Finn Bright out in Australia. What a name. Um, oh, I know, it's a great name, yeah. Hi, gang. The chat of weird football video games has sparked an odd memory I thought I'd share. Back around 2010, I remember receiving an off-brand football game, always <laughs> the best, for my Nintendo DS, a classic device for children my age. In this game, <laughs> whenever you commit a foul, the game gave you the chance to yell into your microphone on the Nintendo to quote-unquote talk to the referee, to try and talk your way out of a foul. As you can imagine, I quickly realised the funniest thing to do was to slide tackle my opposition from behind and then proceed to swear as loud as I could through my microphone at the ref. Surprisingly, he never seemed to reverse his decision. Now, I have never heard of this game, but I love that as a feature. It's amazing, because, I mean, that isn't... you, You can't do that in football. Yeah, yeah, that's, exactly. that's why no one's exactly. thought to add it before. Like it, that, that, you can't, you don't get to 
bargain with the referee about whether it was a foul or not. Like, <laughs> this is like anger management for teenagers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it. this is probably before they could, you know, before Call of Duty got their servers up so you couldn't racially abuse someone over games. But um, <laughs> I suppose this is one way around it. Yeah, just shouting. Imagine walking in and someone doing that. Because a Nintendo DS, I'm all right, it's like a, it's a handheld device. Yeah. Imagine walking in and someone swearing blindly into their palms. <laughs> like Partridge doing his ideas into his into his uh, dictaphone. Oh, referee! <laughs> yeah, yeah. The. Um, I was trying to think. The, the the closest I can remember is I think it was on FIFA '97 or maybe even earlier versions where if you were going to get booked, you can run away from the referee, and yeah, you and wouldn't if he get booked until you stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've never heard of this. Yeah, no, that's genius. Um, thank you for those emails. Keep them coming in to us. Email show at footballramble.com and we'll try and read through as many as we can. I mean, if you want to send us the reality stars you'd like to see play for your club, we would love a little bit of that as well. Um. Right, let's move on. More FA Cup magic. Um, my weekend started off covering the Chorley Derby game on Saturday morning. And honestly, it was so stressful leading up to this game because until probably around an hour before kickoff, I genuinely didn't know whether this game was going to go ahead or not because there was so much uncertainty heading into it. First of all, you had the COVID outbreak at Derby County and that all kind of happened earlier on in the week so we knew that Derby were going to have to play some of their academy players and and you know their youngsters for the game that then wasn't the issue actually 24 hours before the match it was the fact that Chorley was due to be I think around minus five degrees overnight and of course because they play in the sixth tier they don't have the type of undersoil heating that we see in these Premier League grounds so there was a lot of questions being asked as to whether or not the pitch would be playable and this story was absolutely incredible they had a dome over the pitch and apparently eight members of the ground staff actually stayed overnight they were setting alarms on their phones at different intervals so that one of them could wake up every 20 minutes and test the pitch they were using hair dryers they were using kettles they literally did whatever it took to make sure that this game went ahead i mean what an effort jim what a shift that is amazing it sounds like the sounds like the plot of a horror movie but without the actual (laughs) element of whatever the horrible thing is yeah um it's just just what what a herculean effort and it was so worth it as well so so worth it oh that's that's such incredible effort yeah that i kind of i kind of feel a bit bad about poo-pooing the FA Cup at the start, you know, the start of the show because that <laughs> is phenomenal, isn't it? I like, and I think it really carried through in in like what we saw. And even I know, I know it was obviously fake crowd noise, but um, that it just was you weird, know that the crowd noise wasn't it? Yeah, but that just like having kids. that having that early start of midday and hearing that noise was quite nostalgic, even though it only happened a year ago. You know, we were yeah. only mm. in a different situation a year ago, but no, that was um, lovely and like. As you said at the start of the show, Jules, obviously it was Derby kids, but um, yeah, pretty phenomenal result for Crawley. Sorry, for for Chorley. Yeah, for Chorley. It was was an amazing effort, and especially considering their manager, Chorley's manager, Jamie Vermiglio, and and this is a team that play in the sixth tier, the National League North. So a lot of these players are part-time. The manager himself is actually a head teacher of a primary school. Can you imagine the week that he would have had, bearing in mind we've just gone into a national lockdown and all of the stuff he would have had to deal with with the students at that primary school, with everyone going back to homeschooling, what a, what a mad week he would have had with his day job 
And then he's got to prepare for an FA Cup third round match where he's going to be playing against a championship side's um, academy team. And they don't know whether the pitch is going to be able to be played on. I mean, what a week for them. That's one way of looking at it, Jules. But another way is you've got to look at that bloke and think how much bossing around is enough bossing around. Do you know what I mean? Being a, <laughs> being a head teacher and a football coach. Come on, mate. Wind it in. My brother um, had something similar when he was at school. His teacher played, he played for Stevenage. And then, so um, I don't know if you remember, but they played Newcastle in the FA Cup. And he played, and um, there's a great photo of him tackling Alan Shearer, I think. I think it was oh, Alan wow. Shearer. Um, <laughs> And he came back and he was he was a hero. But I think depending on what school you went to, I reckon you'd be treated very differently there as because I was trying to think, head teachers aren't are pretty unpopular by and large. Um so unless unless you're a head teacher and a referee, you know, that'd be properly Yeah. You know, that's the extreme. Yeah. But um <laughs> I, I suppose maybe head teach head, head, head teacher and um and managers a little bit different though. Yeah. The the game itself was interesting, wasn't it? Because it was it was a real leveller, and it was it was a genuine case of men against boys, and it was it was interesting to see how much, despite the kind of difference in in the levels that these teams play at, that that did level the playing field. Yeah, it was it was actually really interesting to watch it because exactly for that reason, Jim, it, it sort of showed how the standards between academies and maybe these non league sides was because. We've got to remember that in in the football world, there are more footballers that don't make it into, you know, the football league than there are that do. And so when you see these academy players, and that would have been a real eye-opener for them and for their families as well to say, you know what, like, it is difficult to get to that next level. It really, really is. And yeah. it was it was one of those games where I, I found it really fascinating to watch in terms of that... Um, that closeness of quality between the two, considering it's a six-peer side and these are young academy players. Um, I, I do also love the fact that watching this, we've talked already about the sort of efforts that some fans went to to be able to watch their teams this weekend, considering the circumstances that we're in. And, you know, you had fans in the back gardens for Marine, but there were two fans that rose over the stands in Lancashire for this Chorley game on a cherry picker midway through the second half. I don't know if you saw this. Um, amazing effort from them. I mean, if you've got a cherry picker, then why not? I, I probably would. Um, I was at the Newport game last night and to my left-hand side, I just heard this like screaming and I thought, where's that coming from? Someone was cheering the players on and I looked and there was actually a fan in a tree by the corner <laughs> flag at the far end of the pitch and he wasn't a Newport fan. He was a Brighton fan. And I was like, what on what? earth? I mean, yes, a Brighton fan was up in a tree in Newport at the game last night. So I, look, I don't know whether he went all the way from Brighton. That's obviously against the law. Or he could just be a Brighton fan that lives in Newport. But it, I mean, it was absolutely that hilarious. Is... He, he was in the tree the whole time. Can, sh can we put out a kind of a call for information about that? I need to know more about that. Surely someone somewhere knows something about that. I, I, we want an explanation. I think uh, he's uh, still there. I think he's stuck to the tree because he froze <laughs> to it. You know, uh, Dumb and Dumber when uh, he, licks, he licks the uh, yeah. ski lift. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he's not. I mean, I, I, we, we do hope he's not. Someone should check up on him, though. Typical mm. Jules. I yeah. saw him up a tree and I left him there. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to do? I'm not a fireman. 
<laughs> you're not. You're not. Your firemen don't really wear leopard print, do they? No, they don't. They don't. Anyway, um, they won. Brighton won. So happy days. Uh, in penalties against a League Two side because that's the standard we're at at the moment. Um, let's talk yeah. a bit about Friday night's game because we we're just talking about Derby's academy players and Friday night again there was a real feel good factor to the Villa Liverpool game. The fact that uh, Louis Barry scored that equaliser in the first half, he took the took it so well as well, didn't he? And his interview at the end of the game, yes, of course they didn't win. Liverpool were ruthless in the second half and managed to get the job done, but fair play to them because Liverpool played their first team Vish and those Villa youngsters uh, did themselves proud and Louis Barry's interview he just couldn't stop smiling for the whole thing could he yeah yeah that was it was really great yeah he um just to, I think it's maybe I'm just getting old and a, a bit soft but those are those kind of interviews I feel like we've seen quite a lot of them recently and they're just as wholesome as the last one aren't they um yeah you know on Jim's point before that he mentioned about the derby game which is something i didn't really think about actually but you know it's a it's a great example of why um football teams want to send their younger academy players out to other clubs to get proper first team action because they want them playing against adults because they you know there are little things here and there that they that you learn through experience don't you you kind of have to be challenged and um challenged in ways that you wouldn't necessarily think that you need to be challenged certainly as a youngster where you might think well I've got all the skills of you know I'm quick um fleet-footed what else what else you know who's going to touch me and you realize that no there are bigger blokes who will just kind of lean into you or shoulder you off the ball and or just use their bodies a bit better than than you'll know to um and obviously that's so much more pronounced when it's a team (laughs) it's defending Mm -hmm. Premier League champions a lot of those players who won the Champions League a couple of years before but I thought yeah, Villa acquitted themselves very well. And it was really nice, you know, beforehand when all the Aston Villa players were tweeting their support and about how, you know, really proud of you guys, you know, you know, go and do yourselves justice. It felt um it felt quite sweet. It felt it felt like this, you know, with the FA Cup in particular, it, it, because of this unfortunate COVID situation, it did feel like all these teams were a bit more of a family. They were a bit more together. Um, and yeah. that seemed quite pronounced uh, for the Villa game, yeah. That's absolutely right. And Louis Barry as well, it's worth kind of, focusing in on him again. He's had a weird old career, hasn't he? West Brom to Barcelona to Villa to score your <laughs> debut goal at like 14 years old against Liverpool in the cup. It's like <laughs> he's crammed a lot in. Yeah, he's done a lot for a young lad, hasn't he? Very much so. It's um yeah, it's quite amazing and I love the fact that the weekend started with that and then ended with a a Brighton fan up in a tree in Newport. <laughs> um it's just what been one of those weekends and we do have to touch as well on the fact that Blackpool got their first win over top flight opposition in the FA Cup for 45 years. It went to penalties against West Brom. And you know what? I think they deserved it. I, I don't use that expression a lot in terms of who deserves to win, but I thought West Brom were really poor in the game actually and I thought that Blackpool yeah really um, did themselves proud in this one and, and they really do deserve to be in the fourth round and hopefully they'll get a decent draw uh, when it gets picked later on tonight. But with Big Sam, it feels like a, a strange one, doesn't it? Because a lot of people were saying, oh, has he lost the bounce? And I don't think they ever really had it. Barring that result against Liverpool, which was a draw, I don't really think we've seen a new manager bounce at West Brom. No, not at all. I think Big Brom just isn't working, is it? Um, <laughs> perhaps it's a it's a personnel thing. And I, I I have to say, part of me is quite happy to see ex Arsenal man Kieran Gibbs um, doing some quite weak defending um, to mm-hmm. see 
Big Sam um, suffering the FA Cup, but that is that is just more indications that I'm a petty, petty man, and I'm comfortable <laughs> with that. I've accepted that about myself. But yeah, it, I think you know, there's this idea that, to be fair to Sam Allardyce, um, that he can come in and he can turn around any squad and he can just get absolutely any group of players in any set of circumstances, um, you know, to to get on board with this brand of football and stay in the Premier League. But obviously, you know. It comes with so many variables. I think he's in a situation here where, you know, he's even said himself that I think it's... You get the impression that he is learning more and more about this squad as the games go on and that he's less and less impressed with what he with what he sees, not unreasonably as well. Because, you know, we were saying about West Brom under Slavin Bilic, they were playing fairly well and they were losing narrowly. Now they're playing terribly and and in some cases losing heavily and it's it's a surprise. It's it's all it's all a bit strange, isn't it? And Allardyce has said um, said recently, my job now is to raise as much money as we can and get as many players as we can in January. I mean, no doubt about that. Now, having been here the last few weeks and seen what I've seen, and that sounds like he's it, it, it sounds like a man who, who who's been through some sort of really horrific, traumatizing experience just from taking some training sessions with West Brom. And I'm <laughs> intrigued as to see how their January is going to go because he's obviously going to try and get his own guys in. It also sounds like he's genuinely fundraising, Vish, doesn't it? It sounds like he wants people to sort of do a GoFundMe page. Yeah, yeah. He should... Um, what he needs to do, he needs to go viral with a tweet about something and then, you know, post a... But yeah. post his fundraising page underneath it. I, I have a bit of sympathy for him, actually. I think we've all seen this season that there's been a lot of having to learn on the job, you know, even from managers who who started the season because of that truncated preseason and the fact that there's been so little time between games. And then any time there has been between games, certainly over the last month, have been riddled with COVID-19 issues. And, you know, usually Allardyce, when he comes in around this kind of time, when we when we talk about the fact that he needs time, it's specifically time on the training ground. And that has really been lacking over the last month. And, mm. you know, I think being out of a cup competition might probably help him. But, you know, if you read some of the reports, and they're pretty idle reports at the moment, but I think it sounds like he's had a look at how much money West Brom have and who is available for him to bring in. And I don't think he's particularly happy either with the fact that they don't match up or there's nothing really out there that he can really get. Um, I think Chris Sutton said over the weekend that he wouldn't be surprised if he walks, if he doesn't get his way in January, mm. which is pretty full on. But um, I, I don't know. These are pretty weird times. And I do, I do, I've got to be honest, um, beyond wanting Kieran Gibbs to be some kind of secret agent, I do have a bit of sympathy for Sam now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, extraordinary times at West Brom. And uh, I don't think anyone kind of expected that they wouldn't get quite a bounce um, when Big Sam went in. Um, Look, there's still more time to get a bit more FA Cup magic in this weekend because there's still another game to play tonight. Stockport of the National League taking on Premier League West Ham. There could be an upset there. We could be seeing uh, some more scenes in dressing rooms of teams celebrating like we saw Chorley singing out Adele. It's become their little um, tradition now, hasn't it? doing that and um, what was amazing about that is that this time round when they did it and it's such a random song choice for a football team yeah. to have picked but I'm, I'm assuming that maybe it happened by accident the first time and now it's just carried on and it's become their little tradition but actual Adele replied to their tweet and gave him a thumbs up love that Jim <laughs> yeah good honor um <laughs> it is a strange choice isn't it it is a, a really bizarre choice. choice but yeah there you go what song was it do you know someone like you Right. Okay. Well, I guess that's the thing with Adele, isn't it? You can just 
pretty much every single one of her songs you can belt out at the top of your lungs. So in a way, yeah. actually, it's kind of an ideal choice. It gets to a point in the song, though, because it's a slow song, that they have to they have to actually put a beat to it. So it gets to the point where it goes, I hate to turn up out of the blue, uninvited. And they all just start, like, screaming it and, like, bashing things, and it's great. That's the bit that yeah. I like. Love a bit of that. I want to... We, we need to get to a stage, though, where, where Chorley go through the other cup long enough that... Fans are back and, you know, we're out of this pretty shit situation. So Adele can go into the dressing room and sing the chant with them. Yeah. Tell you what, she might do it. I was at a wedding last year that she officiated. So what? She's got previous. Are you joking? Go on, tell us the story. One of my uh, best friends um, from uni is is Adele's best friend from real life. So she, uh, she officiated it. It was um, obviously it was amazing. When uh, you say she officiated it, as in she married them, she actually she married said, them. Yeah. "You may kiss the bride them. or groom." Wow! Yeah, she did all that in her own in her own style. She'd be great at a wedding, wouldn't she? She she was great at a wedding. She obviously she did a song as well, so maybe she'd do it. You know, like I say, she's you know she's got previous a bit different between marrying your best friend and singing for Chorley, but you never know. <laughs> I, I kind of meant more in that like she she clearly knows how to, how to have a good time, and you know, which is all you want at a wedding. She'd be good. I reckon she'd be good company if you were sat at her table, you were sat next to her. Um, yeah. And she's definitely the type of person at a wedding who would always have fags. It's always very important. <laughs> you get you catch her in the smoking area and you'd get a good story out of her and a good cackle as well, I reckon. Um, big fan yeah. of Adele. Um, well, look, hopefully one day we might see Adele at Victory Park. You never know. She might be there singing out um, one of her classics. Um, but tonight it's the fourth and fifth round draw as well as that Stockport um, West Ham game. Uh, Peter Crouch is doing the draw and he's already been saying that he's going to do a Rod Stewart. So I can't wait to watch this. <laughs> I think it's going to be brilliant. Um, so make sure you check it out. Um, that's all from us. Uh, Vish, say bye. Bye. Jim, say bye bye. Bye bye. I wanted you to do it Adele style, but I don't really know what Adele style is. So uh, we'll I, leave I it don't there. have the lungs to do that anyway. <laughs> uh, tomorrow, Marcus, Pete, and Andy are going to be here with some more football ramble love. We'll see you soon. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.